All right, everyone, welcome into the show. This is The Chatter with Chuck and Houdini. I'm Chuck. Houdini is across the screen from me. What's good, Houdini? How are we doing today? We're doing all right. I think I might have a toothache coming in. Might have to do with the fact I haven't been to a dentist in a decade. Um, oh. But we're powering through. That's what The Chatter does. We power through. I'll see a dentist when I see a dentist. That's um, a topic for another day. MySpace top five things that you consistently put off. I think I've been saying... I was going to go to the dentist since pre-COVID. I, I went there once in the last couple of years, but I got there a little bit late, so they didn't give me the full teeth cleaning. They didn't give me the fluoride. They just gave me the scrape, so I probably got to get back there. And for those of you that say, you two are some sick bastards. Worry about your hygiene. I floss a couple times a day. I brush a couple times a day. We're doing just fine. I'm not drinking that many Cokes. So we're, we're Dude, doing it's good. impossible to find a dentist. It's like harder to, it's easier to find a wife. Then get then find a new dentist. I, buy, I don't know yeah. how you can buy those wives after I, nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, after after like my childhood dentist went to the wayside when I moved around a little bit, I cannot find myself a dentist. Maybe it's we tough. need to get a, a new dentistry sponsorship so I can finally because I'm a big hygiene guy as far as I'm flossing twice a day, like you, Chuck, the Listerine, the whole nine, but the dentist cleaning has not happened, which is not good. I yeah. I do not recommend Makes for those watching at home. Mix in some white strips, stay away from the candy except for Halloween, and, and you're golden. Good news and bad news out of the gate on today's show, Houdini. What do you want to go with first? Good, bad, give it to me. Let's see what kind of guy you are. Give me the bad first, man. Let's start Perfect. with the negative shit. Perfect. We start with the bad, and if you said good, I was going to start with the bad anyways because that's how I had it on the rundown, and that's what teased me up into the <laughs> show. The bad news is you mentioned it on the Chatter Christmas episode. And for those of you that haven't heard the Chatter Christmas episode, it was the last one we put out. And you mentioned on our last show that the frost in the morning is starting to, you know, you're getting a little sheet on your windshield. It's getting tough. The scraper has come out. I've now dealt with it two days in a row, Houdini. Woke up a little bit late, you know, hit snooze a couple of times, which everyone does. That's actually an on the train that we're getting into a, in just a bit. Are you on the train with setting like 19 alarms for the morning? Um, we'll get into that. That's a quick little tease, but I wake up in the morning, the last two days, just a few minutes after my alarm, I get out the door, give myself just enough time to get to work about 10 minutes early, which I like to do. And I see that sheet of ice and I don't have the 10 minutes to defrost it. So what do I do? I go Ace Ventura mode. I got my head out the window. You ever done that before? Head out the window. Your hair is still a little bit wet, so it's getting frozen. It's um, it's a real thing that some people do out there. You know, the the few and the proud, the people that stick their heads out the window and and don't wait. They just get to work because they have places to be and they can't wait for the frost to defrost. But that's tough, man. Uh, give me your thoughts on that as a whole. I mean, we've all been there. It's it's got to be one of the most dangerous things people do, just so they can get to their you know their corporate job on time instead of just being ten minutes late. When you let the defrost go, but it gives you like a maybe like two and a half inches of clear through the windshield, so you're just driving with literally looking through a goddamn like a circle essentially just to see the entire road getting on the highway. It can be it can be dangerous. I mean, it's it's another thing with people that just drive without. There's a huge um angry mob about people that drive their car without taking the snow off the top i can see where that gets dicey if you're on the highway and a big ass clump of ice flies off the roof of some guy's car so there i, I remember I, I drove like a block down the street just to get gas and i had 
snow on my car and some guy's like hey jackass you ever thought about sweeping the, the goddamn snow off your vehicle and i'm like shit i didn't realize and then like in a group chat people were going nuts there's some people that are they get pissed off if they see anybody driving with snow on their car so probably a good idea to let it defrost maybe take the extra time and get that snow off but it is it's tough it's not for the the meek of heart to to go out there when it's 22 degrees you're going to work on a Monday and your car is frozen solid. It's it's a tough uh, tough thing to handle. It's simple. Ask for the uh, scraper. Christmas this year, get it in your stocking. Get that scraper. Have one because automatic start, dude. Automatic start would be wonderful as well. I'm thinking that that's on the list. We'll see if I've been a good enough boy to where Santa Claus to, comes down my chimney and leaves that on my chair because uh, that would be a good one. But yeah, man, it's been um, it's been an interesting few days. Because you're right, you get that circle, your peripheral vision is just shot. And you're like, I can't see anyone to my left, I can't see anyone to my right. But uh, you make it work at the end of the day. You stick your head out the window, you give yourself enough of that angle. Uh, I'm all about safety, and as long as you stick your head out the window like Ace Ventura, you're good. You can see everything. It's just a wild thing to do to start your day at 6.30 in the morning, like you said, to get to your corporate job. But that's the bad news to start the show is that it's that time of the year. You can't be the guy that has the snow on top of your car and everyone's honking at you saying, hey, jackass. That's actually a, a quick little weave. And, and God bless I go on some ADHD tangents during this show. But my dad used to do that growing up. We'd be on the street playing basketball, whatever. And someone, I imagine some 20-year-old jackass that, you know, just got back from college spring break is flying down the street at 70 miles an hour. And my dad would always be like, hey, there are kids around here. You're going too fast. I don't know if Tim Clowkey was someone that would do that sometimes, but my dad would say, hey, knock it off. It was the angriest I ever saw when people would fly through the neighborhood. And I'm sure Mel Teffer and now Taxman and our two producers could tell us that once you have kids, it changes. You don't like people speeding down your streets. But the good news, the Bengals are officially back. We had a eulogy for them a couple shows ago, and typically you have the eulogy and that's it. Not in this case. The Bengals have risen. I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you what it is. The Bengals are back. Joe Burrow hit some horcruxes. Jake Browning is Joe Burrow. I don't know what's going on right now. That's a Harry Potter reference for those of you that don't get it. Um, it's not Tom Riddle on the field right now. It is Jake Browning playing with the spirit of Voldemort a.k.a. Joe Burrow, but the Horcruxes, man. What is going on with Jake Browning? Um, had 354 yards a couple of games ago, three touchdowns in his last game against the Colts, and all of a sudden the Bengals go into a game this weekend with the Vikings at 7-6 and six and are in pretty good shape to potentially make the playoffs if they can win three of their final four and could get in with two of four, realistically. Right. I mean, it's like a it's like a 12 team tie right now, which is unfortunate. But if we if we keep winning, we're going to we're going to get in there. I don't know what's happening. I mean, after watching the Pittsburgh game and, you know, I got to say, I, I thought we were I, I think I said in the poem that we were fucked because Jake Browning was taking the helm. I was wrong. I mean, he looks not only capable, he looks amazing. I, I don't know. It, it really if, if I didn't know any better, I'd say that was uh, Joey Burrow out there slinging these dimes. He looks, he's giving it, it's not like he's just targeting Chase or anything. 
he is dishing the ball around our tight ends. Our boy Tanner Houdini, Tanner Hudson looks great again. Um, I mean, it, it's it's wild. I don't know what's going on in the NFL as a whole. I mean, we got Joe Flacco throwing for 350 multiple games in a row. We had the Josh Dobbs era for a couple games. Now it looks like we're getting Nick Mullins. But these backups are coming in and, and looking pretty good. Usually you don't see that. It's uh, it's pretty rare. Usually there's a couple backups in the league that can uh, play well. But, I mean, Jake Browning and the Bengals, we got Chase Brown now playing. Finally, they decided maybe we we could utilize a second running back and Mixon looks better. We're we're looking good. We beat the Vikings, man. I'm going to be feeling damn good about making a, a playoff entry. I think I'll be at uh, Paycor Saturday game, Chuck. Saturday game. Saturday. Your favorite day of the week, man. Houdini. Your favorite, favorite day, day of the week. week. You've been saying that for years. Houdini's been all about the Saturdays, folks. <laughs> he said that for years. He said, don't sleep on Saturdays now, folks. But um, I'll tell you what. What a season it's been for the Bengals, and not necessarily in a good way. But, hey, we're alive. We have a pulse. We're fighting. But from game one, Joe Burrow comes out still injured in the rain, looked like the worst quarterback in NFL history, uh, looked pretty bad for, I think, the first four weeks of the season, turns it around. Bengals beat the Seahawks. They beat the Niners. They beat the Bills. They, they look like a legit Super Bowl um, front runner. Burrow gets hurt. They look like trash against the Steelers. They give you hope again. I mean, this has just been – we talked about it, man. The most overrated ride in Cincinnati history, the Son of Beast. This has been the Son of Beast, you know, with the wooden roller coaster. You're, you're getting tossed around. You're, you're getting off the ride with a headache. But um, you're getting some wins in the process. You're having fun. Jamar Chase, 100% playing this weekend, he says, although limited in practice. I'll take Jamar's word for it. We'll see on the field. And it sounds like Justin Jefferson believes he will play as well this weekend. So that's where the Bengals stand. Seven and six on the season after the two straight wins. It's the Vikings at home. It's at the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's at the Kansas City Chiefs. And then it's home against the Cleveland Browns. I think three's going to get you in. Two, we'll see. I think three's the magic number. Got to beat the Vikings. I mean, if you're going to win three of those games, you have to beat Nick Mullins. You sure do. You sure do. And Kansas City looks extremely beatable. It just kind of sucks because, I mean, as much as we love Jake Browning, it, if this was any year to get out of the AFC, it would be this year. Hopefully we can have a, a Nick Foles-esque, a, a Cardale Jones-esque run here where we win with a backup. Um, but, yeah, it starts with Minnesota. It, it could come down to Jake Browning against Joe Flacco in the last game to decide who goes to the playoffs. Who the hell would have thought of that? I mean, that's amazing. You can't write that. Romanski's been trying for years <laughs> to find something with that much drama, and he hasn't been able to find it. Um, but, yeah, it's Browning against the Browns, a team that's owned Cincinnati, and a team that held the Bengals to their you know worst offensive performance in like a decade to start the season. So that's what it could come down to if the Bengals – um, you know, win two of these next three games. But it starts with the Vikings. You've always been uh, one game at a time kind of guy. I like to go through the four games. You say, oh, yeah. nope. You say focus is on Minnesota. So that's where we stand in this one. Let's get to the, uh, the lawsuits in the NCAA. There's a couple of them I want to get to. Let's just start with the one that's localized. For those of you that, you know, listen to the show from the city of Cincinnati and have some ties to the area. And for those of you that don't, uh, there's a team. There's a chance that your team has been affected 
by these rulings at some point. So the floodgates have basically been opened 1,000%. The attorney generals are all getting involved, spearheaded by Dave Yost, our hero who freed Aziz Bandago, and it's turning into the clown show. The, the, the clown show versus the courts. The clown show being the NCAA. Um, Jameel Reynolds, Cincinnati's big man, who is expected to be, you know, one of their best players, and if not one of their better players, at least a catalyst off the bench that could lead that second unit. Um, a, a starter last year at Temple who already played well against Cincinnati and, and a big body that they can add in down low. So the attorney generals, they, they, they're filing restraining orders. And for the next 14 <laughs> days, the floodgates are open, and any of these players are now – it's illegal for them to have to sit out. So Jameel Reynolds is eligible for two weeks. From there, what happens, I don't know. It's unprecedented. It's strange. It's a topic that I feel like is better for you to dive into than me because I just, you know, sometimes sit here and spit the facts out, and there really aren't any facts. It's just like lunacy. So take it away. It's, I mean, it's, it's just bizarre to watch. It's ridiculous. I mean, I love it. I, I love that we're getting the, the two-time transfer guys are playing, but I love how they're filing restraining orders against the NCAA. What? What is that even? Like, can I file a restraining order against my boss so I just don't have to do any of the deliverables at the end of the quarter? I'm just like, I got 14 days. I do whatever the hell I want. That's a restraining order. Dave Yost ordered it, so we're not doing any more work. It, it, and we're going to get into it in a second, but college is just now suing just lawsuits for anything they don't like. Florida State is suing the NCAA for not picking them to the bowl game. What What is going on? It feels like an episode of Suits where we're just making up lawsuits if it's just something we, don't, we dislike. We're just like, we'll sue you. See you in court. So the Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody um, announced that she's launching an investigation of the College Football Playoff Selection Committee over their decision to leave Florida State out of the top four. Alabama slid in there with one loss, despite Florida State being the only undefeated team that has ever been left out of the college football playoff, at least from a Power 5 conference. And she says that um, the state's antitrust division is sending a civil investigative demand to the committee because they want more information about the nature of possible contracts, conspiracies, mon monopolization of trade and commerce. And um, she says, I'm a lifelong gator, but I'm also the Florida attorney general, and I know injustice when I see it. And she said it in a video announcement in front of Dope Campbell Stadium, which is in Tallahassee. So the Gator, standing in front of Dope Campbell, says, This isn't fair! No rational person or college football fan can look at this situation and not question the result. The NCAA and college football are in the wrong here. So her office is launching an investigation. Hey, um, what's her name? Is it Ashley? Ashley, I'll, I'll keep it very simple for you. Your team would have their asses handed to them by Alabama. It's as simple as that. It comes down to the eye test. Sure, life is a 1,000% unfair. But Florida State, the last couple of weeks, as we've known them, with their backup quarterback, it has not been a thing of beauty. I think the only people enraged by this are folks that hate Alabama and folks that love Florida State. Because aside from that, 
I think the better team got in, but at the same time, what are rules anymore? Where's the integrity? You know, you win all your games in a power five, you get in. Whatever. Your thoughts. It's fair. I mean, I listen, I love it as a fan. I love suing just everybody and making lawsuits. If my team does something that I want happens, doesn't happen with my team. But it says in the rules, they they look at injuries. Big injury happened. You're, you're starting quarterback. We saw you play Louisville. It didn't look good, okay? I, I don't think anybody wanted to see Florida State. They got screwed. I get it. But, I mean, at, at this point, you know, where do we draw the line? Can I reopen? Can I sue? Can I bring a lawsuit to the GCL over the JV LaSalle Elder game that we lost in overtime? Because I'm pretty sure – Trey Casey's foot was on the line when he shot a three. They counted as a three. We lost by one. So let's get the attorney general to reopen the JV game from 2009 and see. I don't know if statute of limitations are up, but let's take a look at that. Let's dive deep into all this shit and sue everybody when we lose. Quite frankly, no one knows what's going on. It's it's strange times. You know, they opened the floodgates years ago with NIL and the transfer rules. And then they kind of took everything back and they said, no, we went a little too far. You can't transfer whenever, wherever, and, and play whenever you want. And and now they're saying you have to legally. Because they don't know we, what they're doing. We dude. put in a restraining order. Who knows what's going on? Who knows what's going on? I know what's going on right now. It's the MySpace Top 5 category today. Top 5 best parts of being born in the 90s. Two 90s guys right here. I'm 92. I think, are you a 93-er? I'm a 93-er. Yeah, I'm a young buck. Best parts about being a 90s kid, you'd take the floor. Number five. Um, I'll say number five was just showing up to kids' houses to play. Just no contact. You didn't have a phone, nothing. You would just ride a bike, knock on the door. The mom would answer. I'd go over to Bill Stanger's. Hey, is Bill Stanger uh, is he able to play? They'd be like, hold on. They'd go grab him. We'd come out. We'd run around on the bikes for a little bit. You don't see that anymore. Everybody's got a cell phone. The moms are contacting each other. You don't see the, you know, the old cliche of all, you know, there's 20 bikes outside Tommy's house or whatever. I don't think that's something I'm seeing in my neighborhood these days. So I think that was a, a big plus of being a 90s kid, man. Just cruising the bike around and uh, finding somebody to, to hang out with. <laughs> Number five, swim club diving board pictures. Anyone that was on a swim team growing up, they remember these where you'd get 700 kids, literally the entire club or the entire pool or wherever you went to, your swim team, you'd all hop up on the diving board, you'd take pictures, and then at the very end, everyone would jump off on top of each other. It was just dangerous stuff that people allowed in the 90s. Parents, what the hell were you doing? I remember in my swim club, we did it on a high dive. We had just 100 kids standing oh, yeah. on top of a high dive. Just the most dangerous thing I've ever seen. So when I see those pictures of me and 70 other dudes in their little Speedos at seven years old on top of a diving board, um, a high dive, which don't even exist nowadays at the local swim club, it's, it's wild times to see. And, and kids that were born in 2002, they never got to experience that. Number five. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. We had a high dive as well. I liked the the individual pictures at like the starting blocks too, where you would jump off into the lane. You just sit there in a speedo and a shark tooth necklace and just smile. <laughs> Everybody, everyone's mom had it on the fridge. The those shark were, goggles. Yeah, those were, those were, yeah. The shark goggles <laughs> were big that had like the scaly eyes. You you remember those? Those were big in the nineties. That's an honorary number. Five. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Those were great. There was a lot of uh, good gear back then. Um, I guess hey, good segue. I'll take this one off the board. 
you could just you could just dress like a moron and everyone loved it you get the and one shorts put them down to your fucking ankles wear six undershirts at once you could just look like the biggest asshole ever and nobody everyone did everyone loved it you just wear different colors it didn't match nowadays like kids are wearing like cole Haan shoes and like michael kors like quarter zips it's just not with social media it kind of ruins like you got to look cool now like the 12 year olds now look like the 20 year olds back then they look like grown adults there's no fun anymore in the in the and one long shorts that that make no sense they look like capris almost man those were the glory days i'll never forget i was at uh shout out to one of our listeners dave schmidt i was at his wedding in uh, scottsdale arizona and i had the broken foot so i was wearing a giant ass boot on my left foot and on my right foot I was wearing the the black T-Max with, like, the blue stripes because I saw them at a, uh, I don't know where I saw them, maybe a mall or something. I'm like, oh, T-Max. I used to love those back in the day. So I bought them, and I put them on with, like, some some cargo shorts and a, just a black T-shirt and probably, like, a chain. And my brother took one look at me and said, if you step out of the house in that outfit, I am going to beat your ass. Just big boot, T-Max, like, Love it. Salmon shorts. Oh, just 90s kids. We don't care. Get rid of the Kohan. <laughs> Throw on some T-Max and lighten up, which segues into my number four, the East Bay catalog. All the 90s kids used to get the East Bay catalog with the dad-ass shoes and the spinning rim shoes and, you know, new Jordans being released on there that you could only see for, like, you know, four months before they had a new pair, and it was just, you know... That was how you got your information back then of the cool stuff in town, those East Bay catalogs, and just the the shoe game in general, the basketball shoe game in the '90s. It hit a little bit different, but that's my number. That's my number four. Number four. So I'm at three. Um, I'll go with just movie rental stores, man. I, I used to love going to Hollywood movie or, or Blockbuster. I know we had a whole segment on this like back in 2018 when we I first started what, this thing. That's what vaulted us to stardom, dude. Without the Blockbuster yeah. rant, I don't know if we'd still be here. <laughs> right, right. I, yeah, I used to love going, and they had the popcorn machine inside, which then was like a novelty. Now they have it at every damn bar in, in the country. But those were just good times, man. You'd go around. You'd, you'd have to flip over the the cover to see if they still actually had the disc, the DVD. If Blu-ray was there, I mean, you're, you're feeling real good. So those were just good times, man. Good vibes at the, the old movie stores. Number three, this is a little niche, but I'd say going to college as a 90s kid, it allowed you to go to college when the song levels was new and when the song levels was, was at its peak. It doesn't matter whether you're born in, Maybe 99, it was a little more niche. You know, maybe you weren't listening to it as much. But 90 to, to 96, if you were born between those years, you went to college and uh, Levels was massive. Levels was just, it made you warm and fuzzy inside. It was great stuff for about a five-year stretch there. And not everyone gets to experience it. You know, folks that were born in the 80s, they don't know what Levels is. Because they never experienced it in the moment on a college campus. Still hits. Just, oh, it just, oh, it hit so much different than any other song. <laughs> and those kids that are born in 2002, you know, in the moment, because they're listening to it nowadays when they're eight years old, nine years old, it doesn't hit them like, that was, for the 90s kids out there, that was freedom. It was like levels. You hear that for the first time, cloud nine. Number three, going to college when levels was newer and sick. 
Absolutely. I'd agree with that one. Um, my number two, I'm going to go with it's a segue. Segue king over here, as you, you call yourself one. We're going to burning CDs. Burning CDs was just fantastic. You, you would get into somebody's car. They'd have a, a whole Rolodex of multiple different CDs, maybe a little chameleon air on there, maybe some bone thugs and harmony. Celine Dion for the ladies. If you're doing one of those, you know, crush CDs where you hand to the, the chick that you have a crush on. Those were the days, man. You go on uh, LimeWire, Kazaa to download and be like, where'd you find this shit? Napster. And just the empire, the empire. Just crazy stuff that you could find on LimeWire, Kazaa, and burn your CD, man. Those were, uh, I wish I had some of those old ones in the the old 2001 Jetta. Um, unfortunately, that car was, uh, I believe, impounded. But uh, those were good times, man. I'll never forget uh, Luke Barrett, an older brother of uh, one of our listeners, actually burnt me a CD when he was, I was in like the third grade and he was probably a freshman in high school, burnt me a CD that was just all Eminem's best hits and the number one song on it, or the, you know, the first song, the opening track was fight music, unedited. And for those of you that have ever heard fight music, it's not family friendly and I was listening to it in the Walkman on my way down to a trip to Hilton Head in the back seat, and my mom grabbed it. She's like, what are you listening to? She put it on, listened to fight music. I never saw that CD again. That jackass charged me $20. Friend of the family, $20 for a burnt CD. That entire stack was probably 4 bucks. He made, you know, 250% on me on that upcharge. So, Luke, I mean, get out of the boxing <laughs> world and get into sales, buddy. Jeez. I mean, I, speaking of the burnt CD, I actually just thought of this story. Um, we were driving. I remember my dad was whipping the old Volvo, and I had a burnt CD in there that because I was driving the car a little bit too, and it was Sean Kingston, I believe. <laughs> let me see that ass roll was the chorus. It would be like, let me see that ass roll, 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 roll. And I'm like, all right, maybe my dad thinks I'm old enough. I can listen to the song. And then all of a sudden it does it again. It's like, let me see that ass roll. And then he just jams and he goes, what kind of bullshit are you listening to? Let me see that asshole. He's like, we're not listening to let me see that asshole anymore. Okay. I'm like that. It's ass roll. It's not, I'm not listening to Sean Kingston asking to see my asshole dad. Okay. So he's, Probably still a little bit as some PTSD due to the Sean Kingston album that I had burned in there. So, yeah, Tim, it was uh, ass roll just for the final record there. Unfortunately for Tim, he has no room for any comment until he gets his lawnmower fixed and grows a pair of balls and just shoots the raccoon. Come on, Tim. Grow the hell up. Uh, number two. This is where it gets tough because unlike last week's Christmas movies, I have a loaded list here. The rundown is pretty full. So I'll go with number two. When your parents were lost on road trips using hand maps because phones weren't a thing, you know, if you're a 90s kid, you remember that time. We've had the best of both worlds. You know, we grew up the first 15 years with nothing, no technology, and then it just flipped overnight. So our generation, man, we're, we're one of a kind in that sense. My little sister, who's, you know, 23 years old, she, she didn't see it like me. She grew up in a world of having a phone in your hand in the third grade. But anyways, your parents are lost on road trips, and you had to pick a side. 
You know what I'm talking about. You stop at the gas station. Your dad rolls down the window. He's like, hey, buddy, uh, you know how to get to 32 from here? 32. And he says, yeah, you hook a left, you hook a right, this, that. Gives you nine different things. All of a sudden, your dad gets lost, but he thinks he knows the way. And he says, I think I take a left right here and follow that sign that says to 32. And then your mom says, no, he said a right. You take a right. This was a, a, a yearly occurrence on our trips. Uh, 14-hour trips. We'd get lost, and we had to pick a side. My dad won every single time. My mom was like the 2001 Lions. I mean, just 2-14 and 14 <laughs> overall um, on you know the directions. So it's a good thing we listened to Pop. He always got us there safe. But that used to be a thing. Like the, the maps, you get lost, you just... You know, you just drive around. You're just like, well, eventually I'm going to find it, but um, I'm not going to make dinner. I'll go with um, one. I can't believe you didn't take this off the board yet. Uh, I thought you were going to go number two. I'm going to go AIM. We didn't have – it's kind of a doubleheader. The good news is we didn't have social media. We didn't have Instagram. We didn't have Twitter, all that bullshit that is probably rotting the minds of every youth in America right now. But we did have one thing, and it was AIM, Okay. Grade school, you wouldn't talk to a chick the entire day, but you were quote-unquote dating. You would run back to your computer after school and just go, hey, what a <laughs> great day today. How, how was your day? And then you'd put in your profile, like, I love Sarah, and you'd put, like, you know, 2-8 of whatever, 2007 is when you started dating. You'd have your, your grade school uh, basketball team record, always updating that as well in the profile. You'd put up uh, a way the, – the AIM away status was just – just genius you'd be like mom's making dinner my sister's kind of being a douche bbl <laughs> like got some things to handle and you would it was just incredible i mean it was just a war zone out there in aim but it was uh it was a special time man special yeah, time the chat rooms i remember for the first time hopping in like a fan of the boston celtics chat room or whatever and it was just a war zone in there you know links to websites that i was not supposed to be on um to say the least uh, people were very mean. I think Bitcoin was being <laughs> tossed around in those in those chat rooms before Bitcoin was even a thing. It was uh, that was the dark dark web, was those AIM chat rooms. But overall, yeah, you'd try to guess someone's screen name. I remember I was a huge fan of the Bearcats, and I'd be like, all right, let's try James White Twenty One. And then all of a sudden, James White Twenty One would pop up. You remember when someone was on and you could hear the door creak, and you'd look up. Oh and yeah, was on yeah. And you were just fired up. I remember <laughs> I got it right one time, and James White Twenty One popped up, and I reached out to him. And of course, he was some dude from like Washington D.C., and I refused to believe it. So I was just talking to this guy for like two years, like "Great game tonight, James." He's like, "I'm not James." I'm like, "Yeah, you are." Yeah, I think that might have only been you, but um, I think we had uh, what was his name? Not Davenport. Who was the like the the white dude from Xavier that was huge when we were like sixth grade? I cannot remember his name. Justin for life, Dolman. He was like twenty. Dolman. We had Dolman's AIM, and it was actually him. <laughs> and we would just get on there. He blocked us, and we kept making new ones. Like Xavier sucks, Dolman. You suck too, brother. We'd be sitting in the, the dad's <laughs> study or whatever, and somebody's. We somehow we found a Xavier. It was probably like Schroeder's like older brother or something. Somehow got Dolman's screen name so we just kept finding him and middle of the night when parents were sleeping or whatever we'd get up there and just call dolman a douche sorry justin dolman we're sorry i apologize he's probably been figured trying to figure out who that was for the last 15 years it was us i apologize it's my number one let's go with i was thinking maybe the game boy color that was on the board in the back seat but no we're going with ding dong ditching for those of you that don't know ding dong ditching i don't know how worldwide it was 
every neighborhood's different. I mean, if you grew up in an apartment complex, you probably weren't ding-dong ditching. I don't know. But in my neighborhood, it was big. You'd ring the doorbell, you'd run, you'd hide, and the closer you got to getting caught, the better it was. So if the person came out on the door as you were running and was screaming at you, that was electric. If they called the cops on you and you could hear the cops circling, that was electric. And it was just a hell of a time that you can't do in today's day and age. Like, a couple of months ago, I was down in Bradenton, Florida for a wedding, and we were walking the dogs late at night, and there was a sign on someone's yard that said, dogs on the yard will allow us to shoot. And I was just like, geez, well, I'm not going to ding-dong ditch this house anytime nowadays. And I get that there's not you know, that level of irresponsibility all throughout the country, but in today's day and age, I don't think there's many ding-dong ditchers out there. That's something that I'm going to tell my kids not to do. Don't be ringing on random people's doorbells at 1 o'clock in the morning on a Monday um, and, and making a lot of noise because it can be a little bit sketchy at times. But we had free reign, man. We'd run around the neighborhood and do it all the time. It was great. Thoughts? Yeah, no, ding-dong ditching, man. Some of the best times. I, I did. I think there was a crime committed, um, assault and kidnapping against me once for ding-dong ditching. I We ding-dong ditched, and it's actually a West Side family. Um, Ding dong ditched and there was, you know, like there was like 50 kids outside after this was probably like 45 minutes after we ding dong dished this house out of nowhere. I see people scatter and I'm like, what the hell? I get absolutely leveled by this dude. I'm like, what the hell? He drags my ass into his house. It's a teenager and the parents. It's he's like an 18 year old and the parents are sitting at the kitchen counter and I'm sitting there like crying. I'm like, what the hell? Because the guys tell me he's going to kill me. This teenage dude. And they drag me into the house, and the parents are just sitting there drinking wine. And they're like, take a seat. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? They're like, we're not going to hurt you. We just want to know why you did what you did. I'm like, what the hell? I, don't, I didn't do guy. anything. Can I go home? Oh. Yeah. And so then they just released me out. I'm like, what? And the, the later I look back on it, I'm like, what the hell? That is insanity. Like, we didn't damage the house. It was literally rang the doorbell. I was almost killed. I mean, it's uh, – Statute of limitations are up, so I guess they're off scot-free, but kind of a wild thing. So, yeah, don't do it now. I can only imagine what people would do now with the crazy shit that's going on. So I'd probably avoid the uh, the old ding-dong ditch in 2023. On the train. Are you on the train with setting 70 alarms in the morning? And 70 is a stretch, but 5, 6, 7, whatever it may be. I think a lot of people are in this boat where they don't trust themselves or they just don't trust their phone. They set one for 632. They say, what if that one doesn't go off? Even though it goes off every single time. But the one time it doesn't, you know, it's tough. You set one for 640, 645, 710, 715. You just snooze them all. I can't be the only one out there that does that from time to time. It's like, why don't I just set the alarm for 650 and wake up at 650? Why am I setting it at 620? snoozing for 15 minutes, snoozing again, and getting up at 6.50 and not really soaking in that 30 minutes of sleep. It's just stupid, and I never learned from my mistakes. I mean, I don't know if you're being stupid, though, because I don't know if there's anything worse in the world than waking up like two minutes before your alarm goes off. It is just a devastating thing to realize. You wake up, you go, please, God, say it's like 5.15 in the morning, and you roll over, and it says... 752 and you got to be up at 755 or whatever it's devastating you need that you need the snooze absolutely i mean we're part of the snooze generation chuck 
where we snooze and we snooze and we snooze and we snooze. I snooze like four times before I actually get up. Um, maybe we flip that. Let's get a cruise button. Okay. Instead of snoozing, we go cruising. And then when you hit the cruise button, like Creed is blaring through your entire house or something, all the lights go on, the coffee maker starts. Yeah. The car heats up. The frost is done. Yeah. I like the cruise button. Let's uh, let's get that in Cuban's hands. But yeah, it's crazy though. You were talking about how you wake up two minutes before the alarm. Is it just, I mean, it, it can't just be us. You like time your alarm to a certain point. You, you get it in your head when you have to wake up and you wake up like one minute before your alarm goes off consistently. It can't be coincidence. It's almost like you just, your body knows yeah. when it's like, you know, you've got something really important to do in the morning and you're, you know, really nervous. It's your first day of work. It's big game. It's big project, whatever it may be. You need to get up at eight. You set alarms at 8, 801, 802, 803, and at 7.59, you just wake up, look at your phone at 7.59. You're like, how did I do that? It's like magic. Uh, I was going to ask you, you're on the train with Malik Murphy of the Texas Longhorns deciding that he's going to sit out of the playoffs to save his draft stock if he were to get hurt. We're both off the train. We're competitors. Uh, That's the most fraudulent thing I've ever heard. You shouldn't be embarrassed of yourself. I get it life's all about money at the end of the day. You got to get that bread while you can. But, I mean, what's the point of playing college football if you're going to sit out of the playoffs? You got a chance to be immortal in Texas where they adore you and haven't won a championship in how long, and you're just going to sit out? I'm a 1,000% off the train. If you want to give me an on the train, you can go with it, or else we just move on and say, Malik Murphy, you're a grown-up. And you're making a you're making a poor decision. You're gonna regret that someday as you're sitting in your hot tub after your, you know, thirteen million dollars cashes from your NFL contract that you would have gotten either way. Yeah, no, I'm 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 off the train. If you're in the Boca Raton bowl, if you're in the Chick-fil-A bowl, the Idaho Potato Bowl, sit out. If you're in the the BCS playoff, come on. You gotta play. Simple as that. On or off the train, calling your girlfriend's parents Mr. and Mrs. past the age of thirty. I think it's weird vibes. I was actually in a ride, uh, in, in a car, riding along with a coworker the other day, and she told me that um, she she said like Mr. Jones, and I'm like, who's Mr. Jones? Oh, that's my boyfriend's dad, and I, she's like 30 years old. Wait, you call your boyfriend's dad Mr. and Mrs. You know, mom and dad, Mr. and Mrs. Jones? She's like, yeah, that's a little strange to me. I want to open up the floor. I'm off the train with it. You know, I'd like to be called Charlie. Um, maybe someday my brain just flips. You hit like 35, your kids hit four years old, and you want to be called Mr. It's a sign of respect. I don't know, but Mr. Walter, that's just, I don't know. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't strike me as something I'm going to do anytime soon. Call me Chuck, friends and family. Call me Chuck. Kids, it's Uncle but, Chuck. Wait. So are you saying people calling you Mr. Walter, or are you calling like your wife's dad Mr. whatever? Just the mister. Just the mister. Past a certain age. I I think it becomes a little bit strange. You know, growing up, it's the only thing you know. You you call people mister and missus. So even when you see uh, their parents from time to time, you still call them mister. And then you get to think, like, I'm a grown-ass man, you know, 31 years old, and I'm still calling him mister. Like, why can't I just call him John? The the thing is, though, no, I still do this. If I see somebody's mom that I've been friends with, I don't call them like their first name. I'm not like, Hey Jill, what's up? No, it's like Mrs. Smith because it's similar to a coach. If you were even my, my peewee football coach, you are now coach Johnson. 
for the, the rest of mankind. It doesn't matter if you haven't coached football in 20 years. You are Coach Johnson for eternity. So, and I still, I still do it. I, when you said this to me, I'm like, maybe that is fucked up that I, I call everybody Mr. and Mrs. whatever. But if you already knew them as such, I think that you get to continue to call them that until like, I mean, I don't know about the, the girlfriends or the wife's parents. I think maybe at that point you can flip it up and, and actually call them. First time you're meeting though, you're not like, hey, Janet, how are you? Right. I, mean, I am. Yes. You go to someone's house, you meet their parents as a, as a grown up, you know, that has a, a nine to five and, you I'm know, potentially fucking Peter Pan over here, dude. Whatever, whatever you do. Like, yeah, I'll be like, what's up, Tom? How are you? Like, I'm not like, hey, Mr. Jones. I'm, I'm, I'm not on or off the train. I, I think in the right environment, you go first name. I, but some people, it's like, it doesn't matter. I'll be 65. If they're 90, I'm still calling them Mrs. Smith. It's just going to happen. That, that's how it's going to be. Yeah. On the train. Last one. Kong dogs. Are you on the train with Kong dogs? Can you uh, explain to the audience and myself actually live what Kong dogs are? Okay, I just had one today for the first time. So it is a um, it's a corn dog, right? It's a Korean corn dog. Here are the, some of their flavors. Oh yeah, yep. They have the uh, the rainbow corn dog, which is uh, coated with fruity rice puffs, aka fruity pebbles. You can fill it with either a whole beef sausage, like a corn dog a whole mozzarella cheese stick, or half and half, which is what I did. The half beef and the half mozzarella. I got the uh, the hot Cheeto Kong dog, which had hot Cheetos crumbs and spicy mayo. They have the spaghetti Kong dog, which has Parmesan cheese and marinara sauce. They have the, uh, the churro Kong dog, the ramen Kong dog. Korean corn dogs, man. They are um, they're becoming a, a new chain around the country they're big in the chicago area and they have them around the united states apparently they haven't made their way to cincinnati yet but uh would you be on the train with kong dogs oh yeah i just pulled it up i've seen these on social media kong dogs i mean i'm a corn dog guy through and through if anyone knows me i've been a corn dog guy since day one i actually have like 40 i have 40 in the freezer right now i got nostalgic when i was going through kroger and just swapped up 40 pack of corn dogs because I was fueled on corn dogs from like eight to 14 exclusively. And these things just look like corn dogs on steroids, man. And they got a bunch of different flavors. Absolutely on the train. Absolutely on the train with these. I'm going to, I got to give this a shot, honestly. I got to figure were, out where they sell these around here. They were good. I'd honestly say just go with the full beef instead of the cheese. Uh, the cheese was, you know, it was good. Don't get me wrong. It just, you get that full corn dog taste. Go with the beef. They are very solid. There's a bunch of different varieties. So you could go there five, six times, try, you know, a few different things. Not something you want to eat weekly. Um, I think the one that I got today had 950 calories. The other had 650. So after we record this, Sheesh. I'm probably heading to the gym, yes, to, to run a lap or two. Um, burn off about a, a seventh of those uh, calories. But, yeah, on the train. Sounds like we're both on the train. Corn dogs in general. Uh, definitely a MySpace top five bar food. No, the many ones, no doubt about it. All right, some listener questions to finish up the show. This one's from Elena Rep. Listener question. She says, what would your death row meal be? Ooh, that's a good one, Elena. Would you like to start, Houdini? Yeah, I'd stay consistent. I'd probably, probably get a Miller Lite, a corn dog, and three scrambled eggs. Wow. That's what I've been eating all my life, brother. I'd say give me an old fashioned, 
let's go with a ribeye, or if I'm feeling crazy, a porterhouse, but we'll go ribeye. Top that thing with some onion straws, throw some lobster on top. I'll take a side of a corn dog. I'll take a side of mac and cheese. I'll take a side of cheese curds. I'll take six buffalo wings of six different flavors. Exotic buffalo wings. Exotic chicken wings. Um, what else will we throw in there? We'll go with a Riptide Rush Gatorade. I'll take like one sip. We'll go with a Jamocha Shake from Arby's. We'll take a couple sips there. And yeah, I think that's it. So eggs and a corn dog for you. I had that feast. So jeez. <laughs> I mean dude, I, I read to death row because that's a that's a sad meal for your last one. Well, listen, you know, I don't want to inconvenience anybody, you know, being the the non-confrontational guy. I'm like, uh, what do you what do you guys got in the fridge? I'll just I'll just take that. I don't want to make anybody go on errands or anything. I heard though that it's only a $20 max for death row meals. I don't know if that's true, but with inflation, it might be corn dogs and scrambled eggs for 20 bucks at this point. So, hopefully that's not the case. I don't know. Hopefully I don't ever find out. Mellow Dan says would you rather have no penis or no balls? Which would you prefer? Uh, take the floor? I think it's a package deal. I don't think you can answer that question. You can't have one without the other. It's like peanut butter and jelly. You can't put jelly on a sandwich. You can't, you know, it's it's one or the other. It's as simple as that. No it's penis or no balls. Yeah, that's something I thought about many, many, many nights, many long nights. Would I rather not have a, a penis or balls? Um, I would go with, no balls because I'm not I think at that point if you didn't have a penis your your balls would just fill up with piss right that's what it would do it would just be a, a piss sack and what what are you going to do with your balls without a penis anyway okay so I'm going I got to take I got to take penis every day of the week here I mean that's like telling a dog instead of neuter them you just take their penis away and leave their balls come on guys Mel Teffer says is there any truth behind the wax man? And this is how we end the show. Yes, the wax man is real. For those of you that have never heard of the wax man, just type in wax man Cincinnati and look at the urban dictionary. I forget which town it was, maybe like Newtown. But we went on a trek one day when we were back for winter break in college because we had heard about the legend of the wax man. And apparently it was a guy that was made out of wax, a real human being made out of wax that would leave his house every night exactly at 8 p.m. He'd hop in his gold clunker, he'd back out of his driveway, and he would drive to the local dump where he timed up every single light to avoid the people following him. <laughs> and he would just go to the dump and no one knew what he was doing there. So we're like, we got to see if this is real or not. There are people commenting like, this is real. So me, Mel Teffer, and a couple other friends of the show go out, turn off the lights, park on the street, 8 o'clock rolls out, the garage opens, the gold clunker pulls out. As he's rolling past us, Mel says, I had to turn away because I was frightened at the moment. I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And Mel goes, he's made of wax. He's actually made of wax. As he's yelling, like seven cars of lights turn on on the street and start bolting after this guy. The cops pull out of nowhere. Sirens come on. This guy drives away, and the cops question all the people, like, what are you doing here? We're like, we, we saw it on Urban Dictionary. There was a guy made out of wax. This was a thing. This was a thing that happened. I'll give you the floor. Hold on. You saw, you saw the wax man? 
We saw the wax man. We didn't get to the junkyard with him. He uh, he had the cops on his side. He, he paid them in. You know, he gave them a little cut because the cops stopped us on this night. But there were literally seven other cars there. You know, we, we parked there. We turned off the lights. We saw some guys across the street with a little doobie. We're like, what are you guys doing here? They're like, we heard about the wax man. We're like, wait, that's a thing? Like, they're like, yeah, yeah. Our friends have been doing Dude. this for years. Yeah. Yeah, they said he, he leaves his house. At, it says 11.30 precisely and then okay. drives to the same junkyard in his car, quote, unquote, the gold shitter is what they <laughs> called it in this article. that I'm re- There's articles on this. So this is like apparently we a real there. thing in Cincinnati. Yeah, it was, it and, was real. Well, if I mean, now I kind of feel bad. This is probably just some drunk dude that – it has a little bit of a greasy face and everyone's like, Oh, the wax man. And he's just looking for a new bumper for his car in the middle of the night. God forbid, God forbid this guy goes and tries to get some car parts. I mean, I guess this might be real. I kind of thought this was bullshit, but the amount of articles that are online, right? Like there's literally 25 articles about the quote unquote wax man in Cincinnati. They have a undisclosed junkyard though. So apparently they don't know exactly which one, it's probably all over the damn place. Every no, junkyard he, has its he own wax up man. the lights. Like that was the thing. Like people, people had. It was like a a gaming level, you know, where you can't get to the boss. People would be like, "Yeah, we got to the third light and lost him. He timed it up perfectly, and we just couldn't run the light, you know." And someone's like, "I got to the fifth, and you know, he took that last turn, and we lost him there." Like. We didn't get anywhere at all. You know, we got stopped by the cops on the street, but there were people that would try to follow this guy, and he just had the lights timed out perfectly when he left exactly at 1130 on the dot every single day. That's a real thing. That's a story you can only get on the chatter. The Waxman, Houdini. That's how we finish today's show. That's going to be the title of the show, no doubt about it. That's the closest thing to Batman in real life. It's actually just the Waxman, and he comes out at 1130, times up the lights, and he goes into random junkyards and apparently he's got a really greasy face or maybe he has made a wax. We don't know. We'll find out. Who knows? Any final thoughts today? Um, we'll tee up the the Bengals this weekend with the Minnesota Vikings. Houdini will be there. And then on Saturday, it's the Cincinnati Bearcats against the Dayton Flyers. For those of you that don't know, because we had a bunch of people saying, why didn't you do any shootout talk on today's podcast? Is it because you're scared? No. We did a 45-minute shootout show live after the game on Chatterbox Bearcats. We do post-game shows after every single game. You can download that on the podcast app, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and, and the live video versions are on YouTube as well. So we weren't hiding. Chatterbox Bearcats, people. Chatterbox Bearcats. That's we how you search it. in the smoke. We were there, and we'll continue to be there. This, however, is the Chatter with Chuck and Houdini. Have a great day, a great day rest of your week and a wonderful weekend everyone who did